Welcome to the DC Animated Movie Show, a YouTube series and podcast for the prestigious, ongoing catalog of DC Animated Movies. I am your host, Benjamin David. So today we return with another installment of our Showcase Short review series with 2020's DC Showcase Short, Adam Strange. And joining me once again for today's review is Eli Benson, my good friend, co-host, and beyond expert on our other series here in the channel, Above and Batman Beyond. So be sure to follow Eli on his very powerful Instagram, at Batman underscore beyond underscore fan page. So I figured it was a good time for this showcase short series, following our recent review of Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth. Commandy is the newest of DC showcase shorts, and was included with the DC animated feature, Justice Society World War II. So again, check out our reviews for both of those movies right here in the channel and podcast. So back to the episode here, again today we're reviewing 2020's Adam Strange, which was included with the release of the 2020 feature, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. So before we jump into it, if you're new here at the channel, please consider subscribing on YouTube. Click that notification bell so you don't miss any of our new content. And for the podcast listeners, please subscribe to the pod, just like the vid series We Are DC Animated Movie Show. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the show on iTunes, really helps us out. Please follow us on Instagram, we are at DC Animated Movie Show. And follow the YouTube channel as well, we are at Batman Beyond Media. And finally, on the topic of DC Showcase Shorts, be sure to check out a review of Batman Death in the Family. We review that Showcase Short, and we also talk about the other four shorts also included in that same Death in the Family release. So that's where you can find even more thoughts on today's short, Adam Strange, as well as Phantom Stranger, along with Sergeant Rock and Neil Gaiman's Death, not to be confused with Death in the Family. Again, you can find that video right here on our YouTube channel, and the audio is up on our DCAM's podcast feed. All right, you ice mining soldiers of the future, let's review 2020's Adam Strange. All right, so for those of you joining us on YouTube, comment below with your thoughts on the Adam Strange short. Uh, so first we'll talk about some release details for Strange, and then of course we'll get to our review. Uh, but before we do that, as always, let's check in with the trusty internet movie database for some quick IMDb trivia on DC showcase, Adam Strange. So here's the synopsis on a mining ice planet. Adam Strange awaits his chance to return to his own world while drinking himself to oblivion. And boy, does he, uh, when the miners unleash a deadly force, things take a horrific turn. Again, Adam Strange came with 2020's Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, the short is directed by Butch Lukic, shout out Batman Beyond, written by J.M.D. Mateus. Story is by Lukic as well, uh, with Charlie Weber as Adam Strange. Ray Chase as Norris, Roger Cross as Foreman, uh, Fred Tadashiori as Bartender, and Kimberly Brooks as Alana, Diane, and the daughter, uh, Mara. Fred Tadashiori, quick uh, trivia here, is in the new uh, Batman Long Halloween coming up. So Awesome. Some, yes, crossover there. So we always start with our initial non-spoiler thoughts here. Um, what are your thoughts, Eli, on Adam Strange? Now, this one I actually went in with sort of a uh, higher expectation uh, because this is written by uh, Jam D. Mateus. And Jam D. Mateus is one of my, if not my favorite uh, comic writer. Okay. Uh, as my time formerly as a Spider-Man, you know, kind of fanatic once upon a time, Jam D. Mateus, I think, wrote just some of the best work on Spider-Man. He's really a master at uh, just translating to screen and or, and or to page uh just characters uh, that are very introspective characters that are broken uh characters that can be very optimistic he's just good at showing different dimensions of a character and uh you know seeing adam strange go through uh, such a character arc in in this short was amazing and it really just had a lot of those uh matea isms you know 
Uh, it, it was just great. Visually, it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, I'm always a huge fan of like your traditional kind of uh, indie pulpy sci-fi tech, mm. you know, uh, very classic looking ray guns and jetpacks yeah. and stuff. I always love that. And, uh, you know, just the idea of being displaced in time and space. I always love that. The man out of time, the man out of space. Uh, it's, it's really cool. So this just had a lot of the elements I liked. Uh, and it was written by, again, just one of my favorite writers. And so this was, this was great. Agreed on all accounts. Also, uh, so I was just IMDBing his recent DCAM stuff. And man, James Mateus, I obviously recognize the name for, for DC animation, but recently he did the Deathstroke Knights and Dragons movie. Uh, he also did, which started off as a series. He of course did this. He wrote Superman Red Sun, uh, which is what the Phantom Strange short came with that. Speaking of shorts and also speaking of shorts wrote like in terms of the heaviest and most, I mean, the, the DC showcase death, the Neil Gaiman's death, like how serious is that short? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did not know he wrote that. Uh, I he didn't wrote know that either. Yeah. So that explains why that was so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did a bunch on young justice. He wrote the Constantine city of demons, which was a movie started off as a series on the CW seed. Damn. This dude's everywhere. He wrote Justice League Dark. He wrote just he wrote Batman Bad Blood. I love Bad Blood. Wow. I knew he was I knew he was a consultant on that. I wasn't sure how big of a part or hand he had in the writing process. Yeah, it says he wrote it. He uh, he wrote the story of Justice League Dark, Batman versus Robin. He wrote that. All decams I'm listening right now, in case you're not familiar. Damn. Awesome. I also wrote on Brave and the Bold back in the day. JLU, Justice League Unlimited for our Beyond fans out there. Word. This dude is no joke. <laughs> Again, I recognize the hell out of that name. I just had no idea, especially with the recent and especially with the shorts. That's dope that he wrote so many of the uh, or a couple other recent shorts. You know, I, I'm going to for those who previously tuned in to the uh, Phantom Stranger uh, discussion you know we got a little tangential there i'm gonna get tangential again here for a minute um the one thing that really struck me about this short was this is how you do in my opinion your broken and or defeated hero um yes i i, I think we in in media we're kind of getting away from how to do it properly and the product of that are things like luke skywalker and the last jedi we're mm. like you know, the characters almost take this unnatural turn and they just, they throw away all of their hopes and their morals and aspirations, the things that, the connective tissue that made us resonate with them uh, and they don't really get it back. Uh, it's the, know, uh, the fallen angel gone too far. Yeah. Fallen and too think, far. <laughs> and I think in this case, maybe Adam touched it briefly but he always kind of had this through line of like, no, I need to get back to my timeline for the sake of my daughter, for the sake of, mm. you know, and, and I think that's the way you do it. And then you reward the, you, you know, the, the, the viewer, us, the audience, by giving us just that little bit of hope that he's had for himself. Uh, and we got that in the sake of the ending, you know, the uh, Zeta portal returned again, the Zeta Ray returned. Zeta Beam, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and it suggests that he's going to re be returned home. So I just think that that's how you do a broken character 
arc. And I think it was really well handled here, especially for a short. Dude, so agreed. And Eli, I'm glad you brought up the fallen angel idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like the story trope of the fallen angel, in case you're not familiar, it's, you know, Lucifer himself, the devil uh, came down from heaven. And they these are people with, or people, characters in stories, be it, uh, you know, biblical mythology, whatever that like fall from grace. What's up? Like archetypically speaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big archetypes uh classic archetype so these characters who have all these powers of course because they're uh you know from the heavens or whatever they do bad things and then they fall uh fall to earth now in what's interesting here and we'll get into this is there's a bunch of blade runner tie-in which i think works perfectly for this story because you have dystopic future uh so we'll definitely get into that but the theme of the fallen angel i mean he literally falls through the zeta beam onto this shit ice planet um and I just thought that was perfect uh, trope storytelling. While horror isn't really my thing, again, we talked about Phantom Stranger. Uh, this, sci-fi like this, right up my alley. Like, I'd be in for this even if it was bad. And it's the opposite of bad. <laughs> this is Starship Troopers meets Jack Kirby dystopic sci-fi. Like, it, Starship Troopers, if you've never seen it, such a good fucking movie. Like from the uh, mid-90s, the ultra-violence of gigantic bugs attacking people in the future. Very Starship Troopers. We, this could work great as a feature. Like, I don't feel that way about all these shorts, even though I tend to love all these shorts. I I shouldn't say I love all of them. I should say, again, I tend to love them. I guess I did just say that. Um, so I tend to love these shorts, but I don't think all of them work well necessarily, would work well as features. Commandy, for example, I don't know. I love that short. That might be one of my favorite so far, the, the most recent DC showcase short that came out. And like, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but that's an example of one that I don't think would work well as a feature. Uh, whereas I think this, or at least that particular story that they did, this, I could watch a full feature of this. And then uh, finally, in my initial non-spoiler thoughts here, I highly recommend this short. Uh, highly, highly recommend the short. <laughs> It's a great short. Yeah. Like, all right. So some background on the character. Uh, are you familiar with Adam Strange, my friend? I was vaguely familiar with him uh, before this. Uh, I actually have never done any extensive like reading or research on him. Mm -hmm. uh, this definitely made me more interested to want to look into him. Mm -hmm. uh, because as I said, I, I really like those, uh, just those classic sci-fi tropey things, you know, visually speaking, uh, I like, you know, the jetpacks, you know, as I said, those ray, classic looking ray guns, just all of it. It's just really cool. So, um, and, and the version we got in this uh, short was an even more modern version. Like in the comics, it's even more like uh, kind of indie pulp, uh, you know, indie sci-fi. Right. And it's just kind of cool. So uh, I, I definitely want to learn more about him. Yeah, so Adam Strange, like uh, Eli said, I mean, it's stuff that I love too, like the sci-fi, the space of it all, uh, the old school mid-century looking, you know, ray guns and all that shit, jetpacks. It's, uh, he fit into the world of uh, Jack Kirby's, um, you know, fourth world and all that stuff too. And right. space bound heroes in the DC universe that uh, protectors. And he is one of these kind of protector soldiers. Don't quote me on this, but I don't know if he, is he a protector from Neo Genesis? Do you know this? I don't um, know. Okay. So uh, yeah, I don't, 
I, I don't want to like start guessing here, but point is that he is one of the protectors uh, of, of one of those kind of Jack Kirby-esque planets around there. And uh, we see him here, you know, it's cool to see a very like, this made me go back and read old school Adam Strange stuff. Also, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War last year. And again, this was released with that. Both of those titles got me into old school Jack Kirby. And, and I did read some Adam Strange in the process as well. And it was really cool to see like to go from this gruff like i'm like who the hell's adam strange i mean i knew who he was i i I'd probably know him by images but i was like this is different and i feel like this wouldn't be the comics totally different and it's not but it is a really cool thing that they did to like bring us in as the audience and show us this almost alien like the movie alien where it's this gritty dark you know very believable uh, version of science fiction where people have jobs and there's this mining colony and we'll get into this too of colonization like how rough col- the realities of of and the harshness of colonization where we think of colonization space colonization in particular as this you know glamorous thing but it's for a large part especially early on where this would probably take place it's a rough life and to see a guy like go from this shiny and it's cool that we get the flashback we kind of get the best of both worlds. So you get this introduction through Alien, through this modern sci-fi, let's call it, uh, introduction. And he's got the long hair and he's a drinker and stuff. But we then get the flashback of the shiny Adam Strange fighting Thanagarians, ultra DC. Um, And then again, it it ties back in. I just love kind of the PTSD drinker who had his family taken away in kind of a Batman type way of, he has to avenge them in a way, but his hero's journey is more to get, just get back right to his daughter through this uh, Zeta beam thing. But I think, do you think, so again, speaking of the fallen angel thing, do you think this was a way of saying like, or sorry, do you think they showed him killing Thanagarians brutally to show like you've gone too far, even though your family was killed and that's why he became a fallen angel. Or do you think it was just the Zeta beam uh, happened to move him around at that time? It's hard to say because I was actually trying to research how the Zeta Beam operates. Like, mm-hmm. it, they're able to calculate where and when it shoots, but like, every time it appears, it seems to make like a beeline directly for him. So, like, I'm not sure if there are things that, like, if they are somehow linked in a way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, well regardless of kind of the sci-fi of it and i'm not trying to like that is all correct and i'm glad you you kind of brought that up but it do you think the timing of the zeta beam is an accident because it seems like right i mean it it seems i mean it seems like that and i don't know or it doesn't seem random is what i'm saying yeah well kind of what i read from at least their battle with like the thenagarians was sort of there's blood on all parties' hands, and like, it's weird because, well, actually, now, now that I'm thinking about it, actually, now that you've asked me, and I'm thinking about it. I, I, there's, there seems to be like this dichotomy between the beginning and the end. Like, now he's fighting for an actual purpose, right? Now he's fighting in the end to get home, which is a contrast from the beginning where 
they were fighting for what for war's sake i mean i, I don't remember exactly why the thanagarians i don't think they there. go into detail yeah i think the thanagarians uh, for whatever reason they were battling thanagarians yeah yeah so i mean if i had to read into anything like that i guess i would say um you know he, him having to learn uh to the, the context of combat right and and just what you're fighting for and the purpose it recontextualized all of that and um you know it's almost like he went from from like a warrior to like a survivor type thing you know it, it was just interesting there's a real arc there oh absolutely um and i think but i'm thinking that yeah now that i'm putting more and more thought into the zeta beam the timing of it to bring about the arc seems like, you know, family gets killed. He flips out. Zeta beam comes. I think that was them going like, whoever controls it, like you need a cool off. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. if you don't get this cool off, as we just saw, he was snapped the neck of a Thanagarian and was just going ham. Right. So I think that was a cool off. And then when he completes his kind of, uh, as you said, a full hero's journey in this uh, within 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was pretty incredible you know, at the bottom of his, uh, you know, he hits rock bottom and he's drinking and shit, not, not a good citizen, whatever. And, but he's still like kind of withholding hope and, and working out his formulas drawn all over his apartment, but only until point is he's waiting for the Zeta beam and it never comes only until he steps up and saves them from the starship trooper bugs which was amazing and i can't wait to talk about the action and how fucking brutal this movie was um until he kind of saves them and becomes adam strange again then the zeta beam comes and it's actually interesting i would even go a step past that and say it wasn't even the defeating of the bugs and the monsters and stuff it was actually because once he defeated them like that i believe they all offered like him shelter and said like you you have a place here now and he says no like i have a place somewhere else and i need to wait for you know it to return and it wasn't until like he fully kind of uh mm. you know had that moment of acceptance right and saying like just release and and you just kind of have this moment where he realizes like he just realizes you know he just realizes this might not be it might not return you know and he might never be brought back to his family and he's kind of come to peace with that and he's just hoping and it's then when it finally returns and i feel like he kind of had to be humbled in a very specific way oh nice yes because that the kind of leap of faith in a way maybe not leap but step of faith whatever you want to call it faith obviously a huge theme here of him going like as you said you have to shrug in a way and go uh it's out of my control and i can't expect it anymore and also, like you said, being humble to that extent, the faith thing really hit me though. I was like, this is so good. And then also the idea of tying it in with his daughter of going, no, I have to, even if I, even if it doesn't happen, I have to at least try to get back to her. So as you said, how humbling would it be to condemn yourself to an ice planet when you have a chance, at, you know, like you mentioned, they give him shelter or whatever. He has that chance, doesn't take it in hopes to possibly freeze to death. And then I think that was his test. And then the Zeta beam comes back. It was great. And so I good. think that, uh, and I think that the ending of it actually, like you don't see him return, but you see him enter the beam. That's the way I would end it too, personally, because 
really it wasn't ever actually about who or what he gets when he comes home it was we don't know if he gets back to his daughter that might never happen you're right right it was it was about hope and the zeta beam kind of represented hope and so having him complete his arc by uh being humbled and then the zeta beam returning and him entering it uh not even fully knowing uh if he's actually going to make it back or not uh that's how you end that arc in my opinion i thought (laughs) it was a really good place to end it really strong yeah, such good shit. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> so to get a little deeper into the Fallen Angel stuff, that sent me down a rabbit hole uh, into Blade Runner, because I do recall in the 2049, which is the sequel to Blade Runner, if you're not familiar. So in Blade Runner 2049 and the special features, they talk about the writer or whatever in the writing process mentioned the Fallen Angel from the first movie. So Roy Batty, who was played by um, Rucker Hauer, Rucker Hauer was... What was his name in uh he was the asshole in Dark Knight who worked at the off uh Wayne Enterprises. And you know, didn't you get the memo, that guy? Oh, oh yeah. Um I don't I don't know what his character's name was actually. That doesn't matter. He's the asshole who worked at Wayne Enterprises. Didn't in Dark you get Knight. the memo? Didn't you get the memo? Yeah. So or in begins, not Dark Knight. Um, yeah, so a young Rucker Howard is Roy Batty, and Roy Batty is like the main big baddie hey in uh blade runner so he's a fallen angel because he literally falls from off world right he escapes the off world colonies to come back um you know blade runners of course about these human replicants they're cyborgs they're robots but they look like humans and this guy you know comes back to his creator there's just a ton of stuff that's very fallen angel but in the process what makes it so damn entertaining is that and how brutal Blade Runner is, Rucker Howard just wreaks havoc in the meantime and just takes out anybody in his way to find out who his creator is, um, essentially the prodigal son story. And when he dies, spoilers, uh, you know, the, the dove rises and all that shit. So I thought I would talk about that for a minute just because Blade Runner is so sci-fi, dystopic future. They really drove that home with this, um, even in a way that, like, Jack Kirby himself uh, you know, I did that Commandy review a couple of weeks ago, and I found it interesting that that's another post-apocalypse character. Then you have Apocalypse, and, you know, there's not necessarily a tie in there, but there is to an extent. It's like, that's the potential of this planet is a place called Apocalypse. There's this burning piece of industry that uh, doesn't care what is it's in its path. We've all come across the dark sides of the human race throughout history. So, you know, it's it's, I love the Jack Kirby kind of future shit uh that's both in this and um that was in commandy and stuff too but fuck i forgot what i was going with that oh so back to the blade runner stuff uh here's another rabbit hole so jf sebastian plays william anderson uh who is an in the fallen angel kind of tropes they treat like lucifer brings in this other guy and i don't know you could look up the the connections there with the one character but jf sebastian is a character played by william sanderson who is Carl Rossum, creator of Hardak and his Silicon Soul. Oh, no kidding. Bring it home, baby. That's all. You did your homework, huh? So I knew <laughs> that Sanderson, I immediately, when I rewatched Blade Runner recently, the first one, uh, 80, yeah, 1982, it's straight up. You're like, oh my God, that's the voice of Carl Rossum. It's, <laughs> and you could tell like Andrea Romano probably was like, we get the guy from fucking Blade Runner who was one of the engineers of replicants to be his well, silicon console. 
it makes so much sense and they've always done that i was discussing on um over on batman beyond fan page on instagram uh how they like in um what's that episode in mind games they got uh you know the actress that played matilda to do tamara what's what's that actress's name oh uh, i don't know sorry but yeah i know what you mean uh and and you know that they, they had um that's awesome yeah and i forgot you know, about they, that yes yeah, so they they had uh mara wilson mara wilson she played matilda matilda being uh very similar to tamara you know a young girl who develops uh psychic abilities uh, but they also, you know, they had like Jodie Benson who did, uh, uh, she was Ariel in Disney's A Little Mermaid, but then she also plays Marina Curry yes. in The Call. So Her name is Marina? Cool. Aquagirl's name is Marina? Yeah, Marina oh, Curry. That's adorable. <laughs> so it's, it's cool when they do things like that. You know, they pull uh, influences or similar characters to voice, I guess, thematic matches in the DCAU or, you know, these animated movies. Yeah, let's see if I can find. I so agree. The, the casting throughout the DCAU, they were always doing shit like that. And it's just so damn. I mean, the ultimate example is Grey Ghost, Adam West. Yeah. I, so when I revisited the animated series, quick tangent on the animated series, when I revisited it like mid 20s, before my most recent kind of like, uh, no, early 20s. Yeah. Cause that was back in the day. I rewatched it was like when I heard Adam West's voice, Cause I don't remember, I, at that point I hadn't remembered the gray ghost at all. Like this was before the time of streaming and shit like that. So animated series, unless you had it on DVD or were downloading it, pirating it, you couldn't see it. I, the second I heard Adam <laughs> West's voice, it did the, the tears. I was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a gut punch. Yeah. And it's very much, if you're a BTAS fan and you watch the first Blade Runner, you will immediately, you're like, Carl Rossum. It's so awesome. Carl Rossum, so awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here it is. So Roy Batty, again, this was uh, from Blade Runner. And then we'll get back to the review. Roy Batty shares many similarities in this context with Lucifer as he seeks an audience. So again, this is Roy Batty as the fallen angel. Shares many similarities in this context with Lucifer as he seeks an audience with Tyrell. So Tyrell is their creator in that he's who creates the replicants. Uh, so such a God with Tyrell. And then for Adam Strange, I think like the Zeta beam is God. That's what it seems to be like. That's the divine intervention and all that shit. Uh, as he seeks an audience with Tyrell using. That. What's that? I love that. Ah, thanks. Uh, and seeking seeks an audience with Tyrell using JF Sebastian, who again is. Carl Rossum, uh, who shares the replicants quote accelerated decrepitude yeah he's like got uh accelerated age he's like super old even though he's 25 yeah um god that movie's so fucking good and there's just all this just check it out it's on the um there is yeah it's called off world <laughs> the blade runner wiki <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you off mic why the title of that wiki for me personally, it means so much, but I, I don't want to give that away here, and we're already on a huge tangent. But uh, check out all that shit out if you like dystopic sci-fi DC stuff. Um, so a couple more things here, and then, uh, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up. Story stuff, and then we'll get to the uh, violence and the action, because I cannot wait to talk about that. Uh, finishing up story stuff, completely man versus himself, right? Like, the Starship Trooper bugs, I felt, were just non-villains but perfect because like we didn't need a clear villain because 
this is all about this guy fighting his own demons, right? Absolutely. And I love when we do like man versus self, we always do kind of a distinction between the character and uh, themselves being the adversary. So, you know, we've had the discussion about Terry and the episode Lost Soul, the bat suit, the adversary the adversary but it represents the shadow self right it, it represents the the other side of terry or in superman 3 you have uh kind of that uh you know the bizarroed the not bizarroed version of superman oh, yeah. shadow right? self he, is shadow self is like that jungian psych thing yeah shadow self well shadow self is like the idea of it's like the mirror like venom to spider-man but i feel like in a lot of these um man versus self uh i guess archetypical stories like the main character can serve as their own shadow self mm. uh you know because they're fighting an aspect of the, you know so in lost soul again it's like terry versus the self-doubt the self-doubt in the form of the bat suit kind of thing and here and all that to say i like the distinction here uh we flash back to as you said him being clean cut with the armor looking polished versus now uh when he's kind of his own adversary he looks much more defeated and rugged and it just it's a cool way of distinguishing like the two different points of his character uh and really driving like the man versus self um and speaking of going for shiny to not it's pretty it's batman beyond-esque right like the old version of the guy uh putting on the suit again and strapping in very much so and i love <laughs> I, I love I, that shit and I love that. I love like in that final act when he's just, you know, the old man picking up the gear for the last time. Yeah. You know, he's just kind of the underdog in the fight now because he's old and tired and it's fun. And it's, it's that he's fun. got his, the axe with him too now because he's a minor. Like that's part of his new identity is that he's been forced into manual labor by essentially God or the Zeta beam and like you're, you're here to cool off, do some manual labor. Like, uh, here's your sentence. Calm the fuck down. Stop drinking. It's, 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 it's his Excalibur. Oh! Stop it, Eli. <laughs> Stop turning me on with your references. <laughs> Stop turning me on with your Arthurian references. Uh. It is, um, though. I mean, it, it's, it's really his, arc, it's his Excalibur. It's... It's the metaphorical tool he uses kind of to break himself out of, his, you know, the shackles of his own. It's, it's great. I love yes. it. Axe in one hand, ray gun in the other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that will bring us. Let's talk about the fucking action and violence in this man. Like it, it's a, one of the, even for a short, uh, it really worked insofar as when you watch a movie, I think what was the first movie that kind of hit me like that? Um, I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me, but I forget what movie it was. Point is, you're watching this movie, watching this movie, watching this movie, and all of a sudden there is just ultra violence where there wasn't before. Like it's have you seen uh have you seen and this is relevant? Have you seen uh Invincible? The animal? Oh, yes, dude. Perfect yeah. example. So you're watching a whole episode of something. And then the end is the Justice League getting, you know, <laughs> completely fucking not just killed, but brutally murdered. And like uh, this felt like that, right? On YouTube lately, but I mean, people do their react. Everyone was completely blindsided by ah. it. 
That's great. I'm so glad that they were. It's so interesting. Like I'm glad, but meaning I'm glad that they were meaning like with comic fans in particular, if a lot of them read ahead of time or especially with Kirkman at this point, it's, I'm surprised that so many people haven't read this one, but I haven't read it. And I, that show. Wow. That yeah. first episode. Holy shit. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great show. Uh, I actually never finished the comic series, but I got pretty far actually. Um, and so then was that first episode, you knew that was coming at some point then. I, I knew it was coming, but it, they changed it a little bit in the animated version. Like it was way more like graphic and there, it was definitely just a struggle. Um, in the comic, it was kind of more of just sort of a wash, right? Like you just kind of came in and cleared house. And this, like they really put emphasis on like, it's him or us. And you need to decide right now. Um, so back to this, back to Adam Strange here, the, it was not just, again, like in a very jarring way, just brutal out of nowhere, all of a sudden the, it's not just action, but like it's people's limbs getting, you know, they're snapping necks, limbs are getting torn off, uh, dismemberment when the, when the fucking bug, uh, melts the face. Like you see a human face get it's, melted in a DC animated movie. I love it. And layer by layer. I'm not just like, you know, what's that movie? Um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, any Raiders fan wants to see a face melt, but this was not Spielbergian. This was that face <laughs> melted, dude. It was effective storytelling because, you know, you, you open up and you have him like this defeated drunk and the violence, especially when you get to the flashbacks with like the Thanagarians and like watching his wife get killed, it was so effective because there was just enough blood and just enough violence. And like just seeing how painful it was as a viewer to see him hold his wife like in that crater all bloodied and shit. Like I felt his anger. Like I completely, it, it was great storytelling. And now when we, you know, flash forward to where he is currently, I completely understand why he's, you know, drinking himself into a ditch completely. It's really effective storytelling. It just, I don't know, it punctuates, uh, you know, the, the struggle that he's going through in such an effective way. Similarly. Well, it's good to bring up. I know you're about to switch points, but for a second, it's storytelling is the key there because you can do ultra violence for the sake of ultra violence. And I think even some of the DCAMs are guilty of it, like literally for no reason, it served the story in this. Agreed. And I was just going to say, like, similarly, you know, Batman Beyond doesn't feature blood very often, but like in Rebirth, for example, right in the opening, when Bruce is holding that gun and he's having a heart attack, uh, when it's all finished, he's leaving that warehouse and he has blood going down his lip and Bruce Tim and Paul Dini said that it was very intentional. It was, you know, meant to drive the emphasis of like, this was him fighting for his life. And it's interesting just how a little bit of blood. And in this case, at least an amount of blood, but just how blood can really drive that home, you know, because visually in animation, I, at least me personally, I'm trained to kind of, recognize date like uh damage without the presence of blood so when i see right. blood in an animated film especially like a dc one where they're in costumes and things like this it, it really throws me for a loop i'm just not used to it you know it's a good point especially in animation yep especially with the particular history of of 
animations, superhero animation, which is typically kids content, at least for our generation. Yeah, it's a good point. Like it's jarring and it should only be to um, serve the story and does so perfectly in this, which also is like, it's cool because it's very much what they do in mob movies. A lot of times mob movies are accused of glorifying that lifestyle, whereas most of them are tragedies. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like Goodfellas, tragedy, Godfather, tragedy. It's they show all that stuff to go. This is how ugly this stuff is. This is, you know, right. it's not to make it adventurous. It's not yeehaw. Like, uh, you know, what would be like glorifying? I guess you know, three hundred. That that glorifies violence. It's like three hundred of us versus the world. So you want to see every head get chopped off? Like, no, that's a no brainer. And the brutality serves that. Uh, whereas I think there's just so much brutality, uh, and especially again with going back to DC animation and we can we wrap in a minute with this of like, don't do it unless you really need to. Um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, tying this now into this whole series that we're doing with the DC Showcase Shorts. I noticed that I didn't think about it until today. Well, I thought about for sure when this came out, Adam Strange with JL Dark Apocalypse War, I'm like, I definitely see the connection there. You have Jack Kirby, Space, uh, The Brutality, that short totally matches that. But then I th started to think, I'm like, oh, let me look at the other releases. Um, even weird ones like Phantom Stranger. This is, might be loose, but I think maybe because that's period that went along with Red Sun. Um, you had Death, uh, Neil Gaiman's Death, which went with Wonder Woman. I think it's like a female hero thing. And then I'm trying to think what the other release was, but it was the thought. I don't know, you know, correct me if um, anyone out there who knows, but... <clears throat> This definitely, this release of, you know, Jack Kirby futuristic brutality or Jack Kirby space brutality for sure was intentional because JL Dark Apocalypse War is fucking brutal. Agreed. And even I think parts of that, I, I get it. I, I, I give it a pass because it's like a, uh, it's, you were saying before, if it serves the story, I was saying that too, like it does serve the story because it's kind of the worst version of the DC universe we could ever get. So it's this ultimate example of like, let's do everything we can to prevent this. It can't get any worse than this. Um, I get it to an extent. I still thought that like, it's just, I don't know. It was just kind of rough. So you, uh, you're all your heroes literally getting torn apart piece by piece. But um, So yeah, I thought the violence great. totally worked for this movie, though. though. Oh, it was great. No, it, it didn't believe me. I still think Justice League Dark Apocalypse were easily the best of the Dekamu. Um, and I think some of the best DC animation we've ever gotten. Yeah, I second that. All right, so Eli, closing thoughts on DC Showcase, Adam Strange. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I thought it was just a real... Uh, exemplary piece of how to do your fallen, as you said, your fallen angel story archetype and uh, have the character not completely lose themselves in the way. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. I think J.M.D. Mateus is brilliant. And yeah, I, I, I would have loved a whole miniseries for this. I could have taken a whole miniseries. No, I was thinking that exact same thing. When this came out last year, in fact, I think I did a whole like Instagram story, like a, a minute long of stories talking about 
my enthusiasm for it. It was like, and I don't do a lot of the whole, you know, I just watch this and here's what I think. I, I, I tend to not do live reactions. Um, that was like right after I just couldn't wait to talk about specifically wanting a series of this. Like I could take a whole series of this. I think this would have worked as a feature completely. Cause again, we get the whole hero's journey in 15 minutes, the fallen angel story played out absolutely perfectly. Um, and tying that of course, into his hero's journey, as we keep talking about of his arc of turning into a drunk lost, uh, with no faith kind of leaning only into the science. And then at the end going, all I can have is faith. And essentially, you know, God comes to pick him up, which though, you know, not blind faith though. Right. Because until he had just faith, then the Zeta beam picks him up. So, and again, as you perfectly put it, and I totally agree, we don't know what happens at the end. Like we don't know if he's reunited with his daughter, but just having that little bit of faith and not having blind faith, uh, letting go of some of the science stuff, but still, you know, working hard. I think just so much, uh, is in there and presenting it to a modern audience of this was just such a brilliant idea of, of WB animation to go, you know, and maybe some, there are some shorts, modern day Adam strange shorts or sorry, maybe there's some comics, modern day Adam strange comics with him as the long hair gristled like that. But I'm pretty sure like this is, this was an entirely new interpretation of Adam strange, you know, giving it, giving it to us through the eyes of like an alien type thing. Um, and then again, telling us classic Jack Kirby esque space DC stories. It's, and of course, the circuits. I didn't mention the circuits, Eli. Characters in this movie have circuits from my very arm here, my branded tattoo of Jack Kirby. Uh, so I, <laughs> anytime I see DC circuits, I freak out. Many circuits. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. I just, I, it's the idea. It's the retro future thing, right? Like very old timey looking future tech. That's what does it for me. And circuits same. are usually a big part of that. Yeah. If And and then again, treating it modern, though, and treating it, um, giving it a modern day treatment while also honoring uh, the source material, which is enclosing the whole point of these DC showcase shorts, right, is to give us a nice short example of here are the comics that all the shit you love on is based. All right, guys. So that's our review of DC showcase short Adam Strange. Again, that's a 2020 short that was released along with the uh, 2020 Justice League Dark Apocalypse War feature. If you're new here at the channel, please consider subscribing on YouTube. Click that notification bell so you don't miss any of our new content. And for the podcast listeners, please subscribe to the pod, just like the vid series, We Are DC Animated Movie Show. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. really helps us out. Again, this particular episode is available in both video and audio form, so you get to pick your poison for today's show. But again, please subscribe to both since there's plenty of YouTube stuff you're obviously not going to find in the podcast, and vice versa. Please follow us on Instagram. We are at DC Animated Movie Show. And follow the YouTube channel as well. We are at Batman Beyond Media. Once again, we are in the midst of our uh, DC Showcase short series. We started off with Commandy the Last Boy on Earth that uh, came along with Justice Society World War II back in April. That prompted all these reviews as part of our uh, Showcase short series, starting off with uh, Phantom Stranger. Again, today is Adam Strange. We got Sergeant Rock coming up, as well as uh, Neil Gaiman's 
Death, not to be confused with <laughs> Death in the Family. Again, if you want that review, uh, that's on our YouTube channel, and I laugh because I really didn't like that movie. Uh, and once again, you can hear more thoughts on all these shorts on that same video. Uh, so coming up, speaking of shorts, there is the uh, Loser short that's coming with Long Halloween. So the Long Halloween Batman, the Long Halloween Part 1 is the next DCAM, the next DC animated feature that's coming out. And along with that, we're getting another short. Uh, so DC Showcase short, The Losers. We're also going to do an episode about The Losers as well as Blue Beetle, which is Blue Beetle is a short that's coming out, along with Batman The Long Halloween Part 2, which is coming on the uh, 27th of July. So again, Batman The Long Halloween really coming up. That is sneaking up on the 22nd, and then we have part two coming out in uh, July 27th, along with Blue Beetle. So we're gonna do kind of a news episode talking about the uh, press releases of The Losers and Blue Beetle. So that's coming up here in the podcast, as well as the YouTube channel, as always, Above and Batman Beyond. Uh, and then speaking of Long Halloween, the 2022 4K combo pack is coming out, and they're gonna have connecting covers. It's gonna be the Joker and Two-Face covers that meet. And we also have two Batman The Long Halloween vids. Uh, one is upcoming and the other has already been released. The one that's already out is The Godfather of Long Halloween, which is a bunch of the Godfather references uh, in the 1990s comic book by Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb. And the upcoming one is called Batman The Long Halloween in Four Minutes. And it's a bunch of behind the scenes stuff released on the sneak peek featurette that was released along with Justice Society World War II on Long Halloween Part One. Uh, so if you're interested in some behind the scenes stuff, there's some cool animatics. And the whole video is going to be in four minutes, obviously. So stay tuned for The Long Halloween in four minutes. And uh, check out our other video, The Godfather of Long Halloween. So this has been Benjamin David. Animated, we stand.